Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you travel by air, you know only too well that a short flight can turn into a whole day of travel. Thanks to all the time you have to spend in airports making connections. Trey Fayard can change that for you. He's the founder and CEO of Glow Airlines. Glow is a new airline that flies out of Armstrong International Airport in Kenner directly to Gulf and Mid-South destinations like Little Rock, Memphis, and Shreveport. Trey, welcome out to lunch. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. In almost every airport you go to these days, you see zombies. Well, people that look like zombies. They're also at the mall, the casino, sporting events. They're wandering around with a dead phone, desperately searching for an outlet to charge it up. Josh Ryer is an ex-U.S. Navy flight officer whose current mission is to rid the world of low-power zombies. Josh is vice president of integration and operations for Mobile Cubes. A cube, spelled Q-U-B-E, is a small battery pack that you get from a kiosk and attach it to your phone so you can keep working or posting that important photo on Instagram while you charge up. When you're done charging, you pop the cube back into the kiosk and rejoin the human race. Josh, welcome out to lunch. Thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. Now, Trey, literally millions of people every single day all around the world are stuck in airports waiting to make connections, wishing they could get a direct flight from wherever they, they started out to wherever they need to be going. Or they're forced to spend hours in a car because, believe it or not, it's quicker to drive. I assume that you were one of these people. What is it about you that's different from millions of other people, otherwise known as the rest of us? What made you so fired up about this that you went out and started an airline? Well, and there's, there's really two brief answers to that. But number one is I couldn't get there from here. Okay, so that was, to answer your question, yes, it's, <laughs> it's a problem for me too. So when I started looking at it, uh, it was impacting my life because I was spending tons and tons of time and money and, uh, in hotels that I didn't even know existed. And where were you going cities. from to, to where? Mostly the Midland Gulf South. Okay. Uh, some of our current destinations where we're going. Uh, there's a few others in there that hopefully we'll announce <clears throat> here pretty soon. But, you know, I just was stuck. And it became, um, you know, traveling for business is not that cool. I mean, it's, it's fine, but once you do it two or three times when you're first getting out of university or whatnot, uh, wow, I got a company credit card, I'm here at the Marriott in Atlanta, <laughs> and then you're just sort of, mm, you know. So, so that was part of it, and I think the really the, the second half of that, after I got the business plan straight and got everything together, it was, it's quite a leap to say, I'm going to go do this. Uh, and I heard that from more than one person. Um, but honestly, it came down to I didn't want to wake up when I was 50, 60 years old whip out the times picune and see some guy had my idea. I just wasn't brave enough to go for it. And so I said, you know what? We're going to do this. And it's taken five years, but it's been very fulfilling from that angle of it. I mean, if you take the business case, which we were making, then you took the Trey's case of, geez, I really don't, I mean, I'm going to do this. And that's really how we got here. I mean, that's a combination of kind of both. You know, and I'm thinking about is, I'm, I know for individuals it's great, but having uh, an airport that flies direct to places is really 
the most important variable for businesses considering moving here or doing business, this really helps out on that end. Well, it's a tremendous benefit. I mean, be able to access someplace in the same day and come back at a very reasonable price versus a lot of these major corporations literally make decisions based on airports. Uh, Atlanta gets a lot of business because they have a huge airport. Dallas, right. Houston, the same. And it's a herd mentality. So once two or three of the guys in the same business that you're in move to a city that has all these connections and activity, then you say, well, geez, I need to be there too. So they come, they come magnets to each other and draw each other in. And so, I mean, just recently, uh, a company in Baton Rouge relocated to Charlotte because they couldn't get their people places. And wow. it, you know, it just becomes very inefficient, and it's, it's very costly. And it sounds like, oh, well, Atlanta's no big deal. And it really, in the grand scheme of things, if Atlanta works, it works okay. But when it doesn't work, oh, yeah. you're, out of, you're stuck. <laughs> Thunderstorm. And, you know, it's just, it's just not a good quality of life. And the older you get, and, you know, I'm married now, and, you know, just, I enjoy being home in my own bed. And that's where I want to be. And so uh, it is a, it's a quality of life issue as well as a financial issue as far as hours away from the desk, hours away if you're a lawyer, you can't bill. You know, it, it just runs downhill. It's one thing to say, all right, I want to be that guy, and I don't want to see somebody take my idea and read about it in the Picayune, but um, you had to come up with some planes here. Now, how many do you have now? These are these. We have three South 340Bs, or 30 passenger aircraft, twin turboprop, pressurized, flight attendant, lavatory. How many seats are in that? 30. 30, okay. And, so you're, and that same plane is going twice round trip every day? Is we that? do two round trips Monday through Friday, and we do a round trip on Saturdays and one round trip on Sunday afternoons to cater to people that are coming in for maybe leisure reason to New Orleans and whatnot, get them back to their cities or getting people in position for business the next day. And, um, you know, we, we had a uh, Southern Airways on the, uh, on the show about mm -hmm. a year ago or so, and they, they elected to go out of Lakefront Airport. You stayed at uh, Louis Armstrong. Uh, how'd you make that decision? Well, Two things, you still got to go to an airport. And in this day and age that we're in, a lot of people are frankly not comfortable for two reasons. One, they feel like if you go to the private airport, it's putting forth a service of which one they couldn't afford. Two, they wouldn't be comfortable with doing. And a lot of people say, I don't like the fact that they're not screening the other people because they're all strangers. It's not like it's a private plane and you and six of your buddies show up. Right. It's just the general populace. A lot of people don't like that. And so when we looked at it, uh, Lakefront's a beautiful facility. They did a great job redoing it. I've been out there, but it's phenomenal. But from what we looked to do with our pattern of service and our model, MSY made the most sense. And it is, you know, it's, people are trained to go there to take a flight. If you have to start retraining people to go to this secondary airport or this airport out in the country, I mean, it gets a little harder to do. Uh, so we, and we also looked at, with our growth, we're expecting we would outgrow Lakefront pretty quickly. And what uh, about, uh, what about price-wise? Like, how much does it cost to fly round trip to to Little Rock, for instance, and that's... We, we start at 99 bucks each way, all in. Uh, that includes wow. taxes and fees and September 11th fees and all that. We don't charge for bags. We don't charge for anything on the aircraft as far as food or drink. Wow. And uh, we have a limited... There's a limited number of seats on each flight, but every single flight in our system starts at $99 and goes up from there. Because, you know, I've taken... Uh, for instance, I've flown to Shreveport, and it's usually been on a business thing, so I'm not paying, but it's about the price of going to Paris or something. Oh, yes. I mean, so it's really, a, oh, yeah. it's really kind of a shocking yeah. Oh, yeah. outing. Now, Josh, one of the guiding principles of an entrepreneurial startup is you need to be able to articulate the problem that your new business or invention solves. Mobile Cubes is a textbook case that could be taught in business school. Every minute of the day, countless millions of people all over the world need to charge up their mobile device. So let's turn to the next page of the business plan that's your department. How do you manufacture and market this product? And really, how do you do that from New Orleans? You know, we have, it's, the great thing about it is, especially being a startup, you're trying to scale it up. 
So you work, work with partnerships you know, around the nation and internationally. So the great thing about the MobileCube solution is we've been able to secure the right way to grow the company with undiluted financing. So which is great. So the company can grow rapidly and not lose any dilution for the investors. So that really helps out a lot. And who are your investors? I mean, how did you get the cash to get going? You know, that's that's the CEO, one of the CEO and one of the co-founders, Sean Kerrigan, along with Mike Melito and, Jay, uh, and uh, Jason Palmer. Okay. They really put that together a lot. But the NOLA Angel Network really came through for oh, the company. We hear to help. great things about them. Uh, they're doing really amazing jobs for the uh, entrepreneur community here in New Orleans. And it's it's a wonderful story. They they worked hard. They they believed in the product and they've grown that way. But as far as the scalability for the for the for the kiosk and the mobile cube solution, we it was just it was Jason and Sean and everybody working together, identifying the need like you said, but then crafting an elegant solution, which is really unusual. Uh, just to say unusual, crafting the elegant solution really helps to differentiate mobile cubes in the sector. Everybody's using lockboxes. They want to have their phones right. with them. So if you're locking up, you, you can't stay connected. We can't sit at lunch here and Trey and figure out, hey, what time is the flight leaving? What's going on here? What's my next contact? Now with the mobile cube solution, you can plug the cube right into your phone and you're good to go to keep to make things happen. You can connect with people, you can text. If you're at a game or event, you can share that with you. So that, that's one of the big, big benefits of it. Where would I see it, for instance, at, uh, would I see it at our airport? Yep. We're, we, we're partnered with uh, right MSY. Really? Right down here. Wow. Yeah. All <laughs> the do you terminals. know each other? Yeah. Uh, we're at Memphis Airport as well. Again, there's, there's, there's Flyglo, so we're right there. And then we're looking to expand more into the airport sector here this spring. But oh, we just, uh, right now, Sean can't be here, and he apologizes, because yeah. he was all set yeah. to, to get come in. He and Mike are at, uh, in Vegas right now, we just signed a national contract with Caesars. So we're responsible for all the Caesars properties. So mobile cube kiosks in the casinos. Right. So another reason not to leave the casino. And, and they <laughs> love it for it. So <laughs> they practically hold you by the ankles anyway. So that's terrific. But you have no reason to go up to your room and charge your phone yep. and, and do any of that. So that's just that's kind of the way it works out. It's great. Wow. And I, I saw some of the other places like Amtrak. Amtrak was Amtrak was in a real, real bind. They needed a technological solution for an aging infrastructure, and we came in and brought them this great innovation, where it allows commuters to stay connected, and it's just an amazing. We uh, in Chicago Union Station, it's been a huge hit. People love it. We're seeing a lot of repeat business, which so is great. So it's on the. It's at the station, not on the train. It's you're correct. That, that's okay. the great thing about the solution. You take it with you wherever you go, and people are, can go wherever they want, and they can return the queue back to any national kiosk. So you can go. Like, for a good example, you go to the Saints games, and you can get at the Saints games. You, you want to keep your fantasy scores going on. Check it. You're good to go there. Yeah. And then on your heading out, it's like I forgot to return it at the stadium. No problem. You go to Harrah's or you go to the Hyatt. Oh. Return it right there, and the kiosk will accept it, and it's good to go. You've, you've Close it, closed out everything, and the cube gets recharged. This is a great idea. I think the worst one I've seen is I was at a regional airport, and I pl was plugging in my phone behind one of those vibrating chairs that was plugged to the wall. I thought uh -huh. this I've reached a low point, you know. <laughs> so it's, uh, this is uh, this is great. Now, um, how does the cube itself get recharged? The, the kiosk recharges it. So they've. Uh, the intellectual property is such that we've, when you put it back in, there's a charger that automatically charges it right back here. So it'll just plug in and charges it, and when it's done, it'll just come back out. So there's very little maintenance that we have to do on the kiosk. And nor do we have to, we, it's a great thing because we keep our, um, our personnel staff small. So you don't have to come back and service the kiosk on a regular basis. So fewer touch points. Wow. Now you, as, as uh, in your career in the Navy, you, you had missions and, and such. Does this feel like a, a mission? <laughs> it does. It really does. Uh, it, and the great thing about MobileCubes and being a startup, and I tell any veteran this, 
you feel like you're part of a team again, and that's one of the big things we, we really loved when, we were, when you're serving. Uh -huh. It's part of a team, you're making decisions, and Mobile Cubes is at that point now where we're just, we're, it's a tight organization, and everybody's working to help everybody out, out. And that's the fun thing about a startup, where you know you figure out what the mission is, okay, let's go make this happen, and I need to do this, I need to do that. So I, I second that, because actually our manager here in New Orleans is a, a na Navy vet. He was in the Navy 35 years, and he works for us out in New Orleans, and he's, He's got that mentality and he loves it. And I, I stay out of the way. I say, Leo, <laughs> it's your show, Leo. And Leo just, he's like, yes, sir. And boom, 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 boom. Not a problem. It's funny, but, you know, when we talk about hiring veterans, this is the conversation that comes up all the time. You know, they're, uh, they can work as, work as team members. Mm -hmm. they, they're not daunted by any kind of task. Uh, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. It, it's interesting, but I'm also seeing it on the opposite side now because we're trying to hire and bring in uh, an account executive and some other, and, uh, other, other positions and trying to find when you start looking for it, you start automatically going that normal skill set and you don't, you have to really speak, wait a minute, let me think out here. Is there somebody in the military I could go and bring in? Uh, the, I mean, at least in, in MobileQ's case and, and with Flyglows, you're saying, we, you know, we have 70% of our, our workforce is veterans. But wow. when you still, you put it out there, the veterans got to start thinking, hey, I can do this and how can I translate my, my skills over to that, in that work where, um, where are these little things made? Uh, they're all made, we're, we're partners in China. So we, okay. we're over there and that's where Jason is right now. We have, one major kiosk right now, it's the Mobile Cube solution, which handles 160 batteries or cubes in them. Uh, and we have a new one that's going to become, we're going to have a smaller kiosk into the marketplace uh, at the end of this quarter. So we'll be able to go into more locations with a higher, faster ROI. So think of like, like Dave and Buster's or, or Wild, Buffalo Wild Wings, smaller casinos like the Riverboats. Yep. So now we, have, it's, we can get into more locations other than the, the mass transit hubs that we're in right now. Why? And, and uh, I got to think about this, Trey, is that. Um, what systems are you on? In other words, if I went to Expedia, would you show up there? No, not at the moment. Well, it's called a GDS system, but okay. we'll move into the. I mean, for example, Southwest is not in the GDS system, right, so it's not. Example. It's not dispositive of your whole business, but it, it is helpful in the sense of worldwide distribution. People in China or Mexico or wherever will see your flights. Yeah. Uh, we're working toward that, but it's a pretty heavy lift, technologically speaking, between our booking engine, our reservation system, all the credit cards. I mean, all these. The average person wouldn't know this, but you've got five to seven things that have to happen by the time you hit click to purchase before that is issued. And they all have to talk, and they're all different parts of the world, and blah, blah, blah. So that's one aspect of which I've really learned a lot about in my life. I was, I mean, I was not technically a fool as far as technology and how systems work, but I wasn't a programmer or an engineer. And sitting in those meetings with these things, you're just like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's, you're looking for, the, looking for the window to jump out of. But <laughs> then long, long answer to your brief question was, we will get there, but we're not there at the moment. You have to go to our website, flyglow.com, to book directly, or you can call us. Just and, like and, your, and your flights are so inexpensive. I mean, going that way, that would little by little eat up. It's very expensive, actually. Up, yeah. uh, in fact, some of the majors, I won't name names, but if you just quit Google, uh, they're getting out of them, because they are. I mean, they, you, you can pay 20 bucks a ticket, and that is generally passed back on to the customer. Wow. So if you're trying to offer a value price ticket, not on every seat, but on uh, trying to offer a, a class of service that's high touch with a fair price or even a low price, if you were to go through a Kayak or Expedia or Orbitz or whomever, they could tag you, add 20, 25 bucks on that ticket, and all of a sudden you're less competitive and it's... Oh yeah. You know, cause it's, I mean, people look at air travel as a commodity basically, and it's where's the... And this, it, travelers make irrational business decisions. You would never pay more for something that provided the exact service. But some people will go to Delta and say, well, well hell, it's $10 more than American. I'm going to fly Delta because I've got a gold status on Delta and I want my miles. You would never make that decision. And the rational thinking business person would never say, I'm going to pay more for the exact same thing. But people do it all the time. So it's very price sensitive. And so if you move it a buck or two, it can make all the difference in the world. 
It's wow. almost like Southwest doesn't do that model too. They, no. That's a, that's advantage to you because there's less pressure for you to make that conversion. That's right. And yeah. and, and and they're getting and as I mentioned, I mean the, some of the other majors are either building their own and getting out of all together. And they're not in everyone. If you look, they all used to be across the board and mm -hmm. kayak and hipmunk and all the kind of secondary big GDS systems and now not all airlines are in all of them. So you have to almost check multiple things now just to see and so you know, it's uh, a lot of a lot of it's still done corporately, though. I mean, there's a lot of the big companies still use large travel companies yeah. and things like that. But we'll get there. It's just a, another hurdle. Trey, when you got <laughs> these planes, how much does a plane cost? I wasn't thinking of buying one, but I mean, these particular aircraft, uh, a couple million bucks, depending on the condition it is, to ready to fly. So if you wow. went out and uh, bought one today that it was tip top ready to go, uh, yeah, you'd be paying north of two million, two and a half million. But interestingly, people don't really know this, but airplanes don't come with engines. If you, really? go, if you go to Boeing and buy an airplane, you, Not get a, standard you, get a, you get a frame. You have to go then talk to <laughs> yeah. GE. You then have to go talk to GE or Rolls or somebody to go get those engines. And so the engines are actually uh, very, very expensive. And in a lot of cases, the engines can be worth more than the aircraft itself because they're. Yeah, it's whoops. Found that out the hard way. Jeez, um, but, but it's. I'm uh, not going to make that mistake at the lot. Yeah, that's yeah. a really I mean, good that's one. That's one thing they don't tell you in uh, <laughs> starting airline school. Uh, they, they've skipped that chapter. But and Josh, I was going to ask you a question. Is where did the technology come from? Did did the firm make this up? They, they, Jason and Sean and Mike sat around, you know, for about two years, drafting it up. And originally, they wanted to go. They looked at a lockbox model, and they started. This is not working right. And now I think we're on our third or fourth generation cube. Uh, and we're, you know, they finally got it refined where it's not going to change all, it's not going to change a whole lot, but there's some patented technology in there that allows us to track everything where it's all going, which is great. And, you know, they just slowly came over this over the last couple of years and they did all the drawings themselves and engineers and worked back and forth with, uh, with design teams and. Very cool. Now, since it's radio, I'll have to describe it because you brought one. It's, it's about, um, what, one and a half by two inches? Is yeah, about, but yeah, about one and a half by two. That's about yeah. right. And it's no, no wider than your standard iPhone. And it just it fits in naturally with there, so it's like a natural extension on your phone. And, oh. and the neat thing is it co uh, the, um, the TIPS is uh, MFI certified, so it goes, works for any iPhone. Uh, one of the things we talked about, Trace talking about, you know, that seamless experience for yeah. the travelers coming through. One of the things, we, if you did a uh, non-MFI certified, that's when you, you, know, you plug in the, the cord in your car and the phone starts yeah, saying, so yeah, can't, charge, yeah. can't charge right. it. This <laughs> might hurt your phone. Right, that, right, right. You know, freaks out the customer's <laughs> experience. So, uh, Sean and uh, Jason say, no, that's not how we want to do this. Let's go with an MFI certified product. So, we have this tip as well as a micro USB tip. So, does it work with an Android? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's oh. a micro USB, which is the standard oh, outsiders. Okay. Pressure within the industry. Is there just two now? Is there really just two tips now? Two tips, right. Yeah, there's oh, the lightning cool. tip and the micro USB, and there's an, like the micro C, mm -hmm. which will probably be coming on in the next two to three years. And we're already, you know, making preparations when that comes in there. It's right when they when they first started do it, doing the uh, making the cubes, it, the old iPhone fours still had the thirty oh, pin, yeah. those those oh, long yeah, ones. Yeah. And we have a lot of those in the inventory. And the idea was that hey, you could, we could do that um, as well. But that's like makes up like less than one percent of the phone inventory right now. So wow, it's, it phases out, and the company the company's pretty agile. They're very mm -hmm. agile to transition to the new technology as needed. I'm going to visit you. What gate are you guys oh, at? Oh, uh, B15. We're oh. down. All right. Uh, yep. And we'll we're right there, too. We're, oh. we're on terminals B, C, and D, as well as oh, we're moving terrific. the baggage so. Josh Ryer, Trey Fayard. We hear a lot of the hype about how New Orleans is home to a generation of young entrepreneurs who are doing amazing things. You two are 
proof positive that it's not all talk. Some of these claims are actually true. Starting an airline and setting out to power the mobile device market are bold moves that create jobs, attract new money into the local economy, and invigorate and inspire the rest of us. Uh, thank you both for taking the time and joining me today on Out to Lunch. I enjoyed it. Thank Thanks you very much. much. Great. Really enjoyed it. Great to be with you guys. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Trey Fayard. He's the founder and CEO of Glow Airlines and Josh Ryer, he's the Vice President of Integration and Operations at Mobile Cubes. You can find out more about Trey's planes and Josh's cubes by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's latest record, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to all kinds of past shows and keep up with us on social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, and we do choose our guests based on handsomeness, so this is all working out here, uh, you can... Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, and these photos were taken by Allison Moon. Uh, Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp. 